You're listening to Nitty Gritty Nursing with Nurse M, where she breaks down the nitty gritty basics of nursing concepts. Hey everyone, and welcome to Nitty Gritty Nursing with Nurse M. Today I'm going to talk about delegation and basically what it is in this world that we live in in nursing. And by definition, delegation is a process where a nurse uses uh, their role to authorize a competent individual to perform a task of nursing while retaining the accountability for that outcome. Essentially, what this boiling point is, is that anytime a nurse delegates, they are also technically supervising. And it's going to differ based on who is actually doing the task. Because we know that at the bedside, nurses delegate a lot of different things, whether that's going to do a CBG on a patient to a CNA, whether that is, you know, a meal service attendant taking a patient their tray of food, etc. And, and then you can also get into different de- levels of nursing, like licensed practical nurses, licensed vocational nurses, and how does that play into it? Uh, and then, you know, you've got your charge nurse. But when we think about delegation, there's really some easy things for you to remember, especially if you're a nursing student, and you're trying to sift through and understand everything that you can and cannot delegate. If you just remember the acronym TAPE, T-A-P-E, essentially the first thing is teaching. T is for teaching. And if your patient requires initial teaching, you cannot delegate that. So if you're ever presented with a question in nursing school saying something along the lines of like, you are on the unit and you've got four patients and you're working with an associate degree um, and you're working with an LPN and you're working with a UAP, which stands for unlicensed assistive personnel, you can just kind of lump that together with a CNA and it's which tasks cannot be delegated. And it's going to be something like assisting a patient to eat. It's going to say taking someone to the bathroom. It's going to say doing initial discharge teaching or doing initial teaching on some sort of component. Or it'll say something else like giving an oral medication. And the one thing that you cannot delegate in that scenario is going to be the thing that says initial teaching. And the reason why is because the registered nurse needs to hold accountability for what the patient or the family are learning as part of their disease process. Now, A is for assessment, and and basically the boil point of this is that registered nurses cannot delegate uh, the first big assessment of any patient. P is for planning, so if you're going to do discharge planning or anything like that, you can't delegate that. That has to be under your role. And then E is for evaluation, like do they understand what the discharge teaching was that you just taught them, et cetera, et cetera. And essentially... The other big thing is that if you can't do the task yourself, you can't delegate it. And in the instance, the example that I give, if you've got a patient, for example, with a GI bleed that's actively vomiting and you need to be doing the vital signs, technically, can you delegate those vital signs to the CNA? Well, yes, you could. However, this patient's unstable. So that's a whole different thing that we'll get into in prioritization, not delegation. If your patient's unstable, you can't delegate anything really. They're your responsibility. And so you always want to make sure that whatever task you're deciding to delegate, you're delegating the correct task that that patient needs under the right circumstances to the right person with the right direction and communication. And then you you always close the loop and you follow up to make sure it was done. So for example, let's say you're taking care of a patient in hospital who's needs blood sugars taken. You can totally delegate that to the CNA. Absolutely. That's within their scope in most states and utilize that resource, especially if they're the ones that are getting those meal trays. It's always a nice kind of double 
cue there of like I'm giving a meal tray. Normally on those meal tickets, it'll say like diabetic alert. If they go and they do that CBG and they go to dock it or maybe they don't dock it, it's still your responsibility as a nurse to follow back up with that CNA to say like, hey, what was that CBG? Because you're likely going to need to do some sort of sliding scale insulin or some sort of corrective insulin. And so that right supervision falls into, yes, you delegated the task to either a CNA, an LPN, another RN, someone lateral to you. You know, the break nurse could be coming and relieving you and you ask them to do a bunch of things. And when you get back, you need to make sure that the, the things were actually done, especially if you're the primary nurse for that person. So when we think about like the big scope of things, especially when you look and you think about the NCLEX world, you've got basically your registered nurses, you've got licensed practical nurses or licensed vocational nurses, that's LPN and LVN. And then you've got your UAPs, which are unlicensed assisted personnel or also CNAs. CNA, Certified Nursing Assistant. And, you know, for the long, for the life of me, I don't understand why the NCLEX uses UAP. My only suspicion is that they got tired of typing CNA and having it autocorrect to CAN, C-A-N, as it's incredibly frustrating. If you open up Word, type in CNA, see what happens. I digress. A UAP, associate that with a CNA, especially if you're looking at, like, questions that your nursing faculty might be giving you. A UAP, if you think UAP, CNA, kind of lump those roles together, these are individuals that are supervised by the nurse. These people cannot delegate. They cannot give medications. And when the crux of the concept comes to it, what the UAP can actually do are ADLs, activities of daily living. So anything with ambulating, turning, bathing, intake and output, uh, mouth care, toileting, you know, they can do, they can take vital signs on really stable patients. They can help with feeding for patients that don't have an aspiration risk. They get daily weights. So if you're presented with a question and let's say, you know, you're on the floor and the charge nurse uh, gives you these patients and you have to make the determination of which task you can delegate to the CNA or the UAP, And it's going to be options like, you know, start blood, uh, check an IV site, give a medication, take a patient uh, to collect a urine sample. It seems nebulous. It totally does. The answer in that case, and again, I'm just spitballing off the top of my head, the answer in that case would be collect a urine sample because the UAP slash CNA can totally take that patient to the bathroom and get a urine sample at that time. They can absolutely take the patient to the bathroom and measure intake and output and then report back but they just can't delegate. They can't give the meds. They're really, really at the core of it, responsible for activities of daily living. Now, when we move up by one to LPN or LVN, these are also nurses that are supervised by the registered nurse. And honestly, like in the United States, their duties really depend on the state and facilities where they do their training. Um, You know, I think I read one article where in some states they are allowed to delegate to UAPs and CNAs, and in other states they aren't. But in most cases, an LPN, LVN can do all of the duties that a UAP CNA can do, and they are going to get assigned patients that are stable with chronic and predictable outcomes. They don't get the brand new admissions. They don't get the patients that need brand new education or discharge teaching or unstable patients or those that are fresh out of the OR. They're going to be the ones that take, you know, stable, predictable patients. That said, they can reinforce all of the information. So if a patient has had discharge teaching, right, and it says something about like they reinforce the discharge teaching that was already done, they can absolutely do that. They just can't do the initial component of that. 
And when we think about like the big spectrum of this, especially if you consider it from like an answering an NCLEX style question, that's a whole different subject matter because the NGN, the next generation NCLEX is coming out, which is going to throw some different wrenches into the bunch for students. But Really, if you think about what the role of the LPN or LVN is, it's really to gather data, to contribute to the assessment, and then report back to the nurse what they found. Uh, they're not going to, in NCLEX world, they don't interpret data. I'm going to tell you right now that I've worked with some of the most incredible LPNs, ADNs, and CNAs, who without them, I could not do my job. But in NCLEX world, the LPN, LVN is only there to really gather the data and contribute to the assessment, and then they report back to the nurse everything that they found. They don't interpret it. Um, they also don't do any blood products. That's also sometimes a hot point. So, I mean, if you're going to get a question about that and it says something about blood products, like giving blood products, you can probably just automatically disregard that one. And and then finally, you know, the role of the nurse, right? The, the nurse delegates to LPNs and UAPs and their roles and responsibilities is that they can do everything that a UAP and an LPN can do. In addition to, they take the critical complex patients, they take the brand new admissions, they'll take the patients that are fresh post-ops, they'll do all of the discharge teaching, think back to that acronym TAPE, teaching, assessment, planning, evaluation, all of those initial things, that is what they are responsible for. They'll do the medications, they'll do the comprehensive assessments, they do the blood transfusions, they develop the plan of care. The big key takeaway, I guess, from all of this when we think about delegation is that you cannot, as a nurse, delegate anyone that's unstable or that might fall into the criteria of tape with, like, you know, initial discharge teaching or uh, planning, like, in a care plan world. So delegation is kind of funny in that sense because you we do all of these things, especially at the bedside. And if you're a nursing student really going into uh, nursing school for the first time and you have a history of working as a CNA, you've got an upper leverage because you kind of know what that role and responsibility is. Now, there's also CNA 1 and there's CNA 2 in some acute care settings in different states. It's, it's pretty variable. But if you just like go boiling it down to like really easy, simplistic concepts... UAPs and CNAs are responsible for activities of daily living. LPNs and LVNs take stable, predictable patients and they are collecting data to report back to the nurse, no blood products. And then your RNs do everything the UAP and the LPN do, plus take the critical complex patients and develop those plans of care and do all of those initial teachings. So in a nutshell, that's basically delegation. And I'd encourage you now, if you're going to start to see questions, start to work through them. Or if you've got, you know, an NCLEX prep book that your school uses, like start to go through them. And if you see these delegation questions, start to try to crank through, like, what is it I'm actually looking for? I will also say that if you're preparing to take the NCLEX, I strongly encourage for you to take some sort of prep program, whether that's Kaplan or ATI or HESI or whatever it is that your school is using. Like, definitely, you should totally take those prep courses because they're going to give you better decision trees. But if we're just talking like the nitty gritty of like, what is delegation? What can I and can I not do? This is it, right? This is it right here. So hopefully this was informative for you. Other than that, I'll see you next time.